Hello, welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, base campers. I hope you're all doing well. We are winding down season four, but today will be the second to the last episode instead of the last one. I'm working on a project with Corey, my website guy, to categorize all the episodes so that you and future listeners can easily find what types of episodes you're looking for. So next week will likely be a combination of just me and perhaps a short base camp classic, depending on my creative output. Today's episode is a good one, I think, with my good friend Roy Holman. Roy and I have had similar walkaway journeys, and I count him as a trusted friend and fellow truth warrior. When you take this hero's journey and let go of so many ideas and people like Roy and I and many others have that were part of your earlier chapters, you bring a deep appreciation and gratitude to your newfound friends and travel companions. Being singled out as a domestic terrorist or blight to society for standing for personal freedom tends to bond people who are excommunicated from the herd. As you all know by now, I have a deep respect for the brave men and women who stand for truth and freedom. Thank you, Base Campers, and enjoy today's episode. My guest today is Roy Holman. Roy is a meditation and yoga teacher, a lover of nature, and the creator and host of the podcast, The Soulful Warrior. Here is my interview with Roy Holman. All right, I am here with my friend Roy Holman, writer, meditation teacher, yoga teacher, podcaster Roy Holman. Roy, welcome back to Base Camp for Men. It's good to have you on the show again. Tony, good to see you, be with you as always. Yes, you know, I I uh I'm getting ready to wrap up season 4. I got a couple more episodes. I thought of you. I I I was fortunate enough to hear uh your podcast Soulful Warrior podcast and the latest episode that landed really juicy stuff and it got me thinking about co-creating another episode with you and the, the title of it was Toxic Masculinity Truth and Elections. So, lots to talk about in all of those subtopics. Um, and you know, I, first off, you had mentioned in the, in your podcast that you got called out by your community for, uh, what they kind of perceived is that you, you speak maybe differently on the podcast. Uh, maybe your viewpoints are slightly different on the podcast. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but basically they were calling you out and saying, Hey, you know, why do you talk this way on the show? Um, I can imagine people might say a little bit the same thing about me and I'll give you my reasons. But first, I guess I just wanted to ask you, like, what is what's the dynamic there for you? Do you feel like uh, maybe the podcast brings out something, a different side to you? Or do you feel like are they hearing it in a particular way because maybe they don't ask you about some of the topics that you're talking about? Like, what do you, what's the di- what was the dynamic that you were sort of able to uncover that has people saying, Hey, Roy, you know, you're, you're a spiritual guy or you're, you know, this peaceful warrior. How come you're talking with some, maybe some pointedness on the show is, did I get the kind of dynamic of, of how yeah, that was received? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was kind of, Actually, there was a couple people in, in this conscious community group that I belong to. I facilitate the group. And a couple of them said, one said, you're you're kind of opinionated sometimes, you know, like you have the final say. And one person said, yeah, you're a little different, as you said, maybe in your podcast. And I, you know, I take those kind of uh, those feedbacks seriously. I like to look at my shadow, if you will. But um, 
something about it didn't sit right. I mean, some of it does. I, I certainly, like many of us, got so many wounds and self-esteem stuff mm -hmm. where I try to be a chameleon at times. I've gotten much, 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 much better. But, you know, I could be a little, what, maybe a little cowardly even. But, you know, let's face it. This has been a, just a nutty time on earth yeah. and I'm confused and I'm, I need a place to vent. So my podcast in a way is a place to vent. So sometimes I'm a little more direct. I kind of assume most of my audience kind of knows what I'm talking about, maybe preaching to the choir. So I don't mm -hmm. hold back. And I realize, wow, that can be a little bit hurtful to people that have a different view as mm -hmm. I calls the normies or what I sometimes people call them sheep, you know? So I have to keep that in mind because I do want to build bridges. I don't want to, and I do, I don't, I feel like I would not push anyone out of my life, especially if they came back and finally said, you know, you're right. I should not have been vaccinated or something like that. Mm -hmm. keep the doors open. And, and, but I also brought up a lot of stuff about just what you said, you know, that there's a lot of programming now that a real man is really soft spoken and real spiritual yeah. and yogi like. And I think that sometimes is a program that keeps us from really demonstrating our healthy, assertive masculine energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I get the same sort of thing, although, um, you know, I'm, I've done my best to temper. It's funny. It, it's such a fine line because as somebody that is pro-humanity, I know you are this way as well. I am for the tribe of humans. And this has been a huge spiritual war against humanity, I might add. And you bring that up in the show quite well. Um, and so when I see groups of people that are standing for freedom and humanity being attacked all over the place, it pisses me off. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to get my words out and skewer some of these people that are being hypocrites or just don't know the story. That being said, I don't like, I think I pulled off of that. I got that uh, normies thing from Cliff High as well. And it's this way of, you know, I've done these episodes where I'm trying to bridge, build a bridge for the left uh, so they can see, oh, look at how much I have in common with these guys who left this kind of silo. But certainly calling them sheep and normies is not going to get the job done, right? It's like, it's demeaning and it puts me above them. Like I know more than you. and. Uh, that's my own wound. That's there's some maybe some woundedness because I was on the I was on the minority end of all the name calling during COVID, right? Absolutely. We gotta we gotta touch on that, Tony. As as yeah. you're talking, as I'm as I'm thinking here, let's face it, man. We in the freedom community, the uh, people that question the vaccine, we have been ruthlessly attacked. I mean, you cannot compare if I say, oh, the sheeple one time, or maybe the yeah. This is nothing compared to the, the battering we have taken, you know, about separating us from our grandchildren and can't go to funerals. I mean, we've been under attack. So, yeah. uh, you know, if, there's some reason to be uh, righteously angry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I and the other thing, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day about, you know, building bridges. Right. We were talking about getting the left. Uh, building bridges like, okay, if, if, if we're going to start languaging things that make more sense for more people, there is work to do over there because they want to demonize anybody that, that supports Donald Trump. They want to demonize MAGA 
anybody that's pro-humanity, pro-constitution, pro-liberty, they want to say, you guys are crazy. You guys are domestic terrorists. You guys are, you know, you're the reason this country is going to hell. And that's not fair. Like, if you're going to use the word domestic terrorist, it should be reserved for somebody that blows up buildings like Timothy McVeigh, somebody that's actually a threat to society, not just somebody or a group of people that disagree with what you what you have to say about, you know, critical race theory or transgendered education. Those are not terrorists. They just don't agree with you. And until the left can put down their reflexive boxing gloves. And because every time some mega person like myself expresses themselves, oh, you're you're a man. Oh, you're a straight man. You must be a white supremacist. You must be a, a terrorist. The, the, the left needs to start to see, wait a minute, those guys over there are not our enemies. And, and so I think the work is for both sides. It's not just your side and my side sort of saying, let's stop calling them names because it's irritating them. Um, and I, you know, I fully recognized during the COVID that if I was going to be a stand for freedom, if I was going to be a stand for personal choice and for the United States being strong and the Republic being strong, I was going to be massively irritating to a lot of people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this, uh, you know, there's a couple of levels to the, the people that I feel are the most, um, in your face and, you know, Mm. I'm, I'm a, like you left this for most of my life, but uh, mm. I, I realized lately I didn't really leave the the Democratic Party or the left. It kind of left me. It's this is not the classic liberalism, you know, where individual over the collective and, and yeah. over state government. It's not. They've they've gone nuts. And and when we look at them, I think we gotta acknowledge there's two thems. I hate to talk in yeah. us versus them, but you know, I'm more of an independent now, but. There's there's the people above on top who know exactly what they're doing by dividing, mm-hmm. and then there's the others that have, if you want to call it the woke left, but those who have been very severely programmed. And part of that program, I don't know if you've looked into wokeism much, but they actually train them as you know the social justice warriors and all the critical race mm-hmm. theory. They train them that this system of oppression it all has to come down, and mm-hmm. you need to silence those voices of oppression. In other words, if I disagree and say, wait a minute, I don't think I'm really racist or whatever, they have to shout you down or censor mm-hmm. you or silence you. They are taught to do that because they feel if you let them speak, that's a voice of oppression. So man, when you talk about building bridges, we got a problem right off the bat here. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's like a religion. We talked about this on a couple of my episodes I had on some former social justice warriors that said, you know, it's a cult. It's a, it's got, they got their way of using language, their way of shutting down and canceling the other side. And, you know, like a cult, they don't want to hear the other side. That anything that doesn't align with them is automatically the enemy, which is to your point, it's coming from up above these, this is something. And I think this is the hardest part for people. I think I see a bunch of people I know on the left, traditional liberals that maybe haven't done what we've done quite yet, although they're in the process of it. They're waking up. They're going, this doesn't fit anymore. I don't like the way this feels. I don't like MAGA. I can't go that way. But wait a minute. What's Roy doing? What he He's making some sense. Um, it's, it's this kind of spiritual war, warfare um, that's been fought in, you know, cyberspace, in information. Yeah. And it has everybody fatigued, you know, even the side you know, I feel like I've got a uh, a particular viewpoint. I'm I'm optimistic, but I'm also really tired. 
You know, some days I'm just like, God, this is, this has been exhausting. Right. Don't you agree? Absolutely. I think the one thing for me, it's been so painful and confusing, you know, Rumi, Rumi says that that's a good thing to be really bewildered because that's really open. You're not locked mm. in an arrogant unbelief. So that mm-hmm. I, I try to, <laughs> I, I hold heart with that because it's been so confusing. So I keep hoping something good is going to come out of that, that sense of confusion that Rumi talks mm. about because it's been difficult. But I think one good thing is it's got some of us to plug into God, you know, or whatever yeah. word you use for that, because mm-hmm. nothing else is going to make sense. It is a spiritual battle. And yes, we, we're in a physical body. We have to fight it physically too, like doing your podcast or whatever you feel. Mm-hmm. But man, if we're not plugging in to that, which doesn't change amidst all this change, it's going to get really uncomfortable. Absolutely. Has your, you're, you're somebody that's, that's really connected to your heart, really connected to mission. Has, has your mission over the last, say five, six years, has your mission changed much um, or has it been this? Has it been the same for quite some time? Has there been some some variations on what your mission is, and 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 can you state it, or do you do you have a, a clear sense of it, or is it evolved? How how is how do you see yourself uh, living in mission at this point? Yeah, I, I don't really have a soundbite for it. For mine, most of my life I was just so traumatized and wounded that I didn't have any clue why I was here. I just had to try to clear my vision. I I travel mm. a lot and of course, drank and drugged a lot to escape. But then traveling, traveling started really helping me see a little. Then I started teaching human rights in Guatemala, and that really found my voice. I was about 35, 38 then. And then uh, through the 40s, 50s, I you know, went through my dark night of the soul, my first one. Mm. And uh, But I was still teaching yoga meditation, became a minister. It was all about really uh, healing and truth and awakening. So really it's only changed in the degree that um a few years ago i was still a diehard leftist and now i'm i'm not i see mm-hmm. our forces are using the left more than the right at this point but of course they yeah. use everybody but i guess overall my mission is the same but what i'm struggling with now or contemplating is how much i should focus more on the spiritual i get called that way but mm-hmm. but it's a blend really because i really I really believe in being in this world as well. Well, and, you, and you've you've gone from maybe your spirituality being more Eastern uh, wisdom tradition centered and now coming all the way back around to be in a more Western or Christ centered uh, uh, notion, right? Did I get that right? You've started to move back towards, towards uh, Christianity or even just the teachings of Christ. Well, it's been it's been interesting. I'm I'm really I am I've always loved Jesus, but I've been on the fence, and I'm yeah. more of an interfaith guy. And mm-hmm. now it's been really weird. I've been I've been canceled by about everybody. I got canceled from one meditation group I was leading because I mentioned God too much, mm. and then I got canceled from some Christian groups that felt I was not Christian enough. Political. <laughs> so I'm really questioning. You know, a lot of people say a lot of the people in the christian world say that you can't mix yoga which i've taught for 20 years mm-hmm. and christianity that that the 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 evil ones have used yoga to add to a lot of the poses it's tribute to their demonic gods and all this mm-hmm. stuff there's a i'm kind of in a confused state where i'm really just praying yeah. and questioning i never i never thought that there was in yoga there was that but i i could see where 
I could see where they it could be presented that way. But you know, I, my friend Mark, he's a big uh, uh, Falun Dafa practitioner, and oh, yeah. he was always pointing out to me. He goes, "You you you do you just take a little bit from everywhere." He goes, "But that doesn't really." get it. That's not strong medicine. You know what? It's like, he goes, you like to take all the easy stuff from everything and you don't want to dig into any of the one practices, whether that's Christianity or Buddhism. And, and, and I wouldn't argue with him. I totally agree with him. I was a cherry picker of the things that I liked uh, and the things that resonated, but I, maybe it, maybe it leads to a watered down notion, but I feel like I live in the light and I live with a notion of what God and spirit and the divine is, but uh, maybe there's something to be gained from uh, drilling down into one exclusively you know what i mean yeah yeah there's there's that's two schools of thought on that too and i'm yeah i'm not really sure you know and of course in the, the christian groups i'm hanging out with there mm-hmm. that's the way and yep. uh, i have a i have a little reluctance so that yep. maybe it's a mistake maybe it's a commitment thing but i i just don't like to just write off all these other belief systems, but I know it's a fallen world and I'm con- as confused as anybody. You know, it always felt like, it always felt like uh, they were always trying to put God in a box. All the, all, all, every philosophy, it was like, it was never, to me, it was never big enough to capture what God is. And so that's why I, that's why I looked all over the place, myth and, and quantum physics and extraterrestrials. I mean, I, I ventured you know, wide and far into the cosmos because every time I looked, there was just more God out there, more and more expansive. I didn't feel like anything could quite capture. There wasn't one myth that could capture it all. There wasn't one story or one tradition. And so that, that was it more than I was being lazy. I just kept finding, <clears throat> finding God or the goddess in everything I looked at. And so that's what was driving it more than anything. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? So that's beautiful. Um, you know, I don't remember, did you and I ever cover devolution or contingency government at all? Did, did we ever I get, we tapped on it <clears throat> deep. I'm not mm-hmm. an expert. It's hard to get information of what's true and all that, isn't it? It is, you know, I, I think one of the things about devolution, you know, it dovetails with a lot of the Q stuff and behind it all is this kind of notion that there's a white hat military. Uh, and, you know, if you believe in devolution or if devolution makes sense to a reader or listener, they would see that there's much at play in what's going on in the government. In other words, there what what devolution says is that there right now there's a contingency government uh, because there was a stolen 2020 election. Not to mention this, the the midterms, which look to be a total shit show. Right? They're trucking in ballots. Here we are. Oh my god! Yeah, it's just like we're we're gonna take uh we're gonna take two weeks to count ballots because we got to keep trucking in mail-in ballots from God knows where they're coming from or you know what names are on those. But devolution says that all of that is being captured and that there really is a white hat military that's sort of observing and that everything will be presented in due time. And I wanted to ask you, because I didn't really get that worked up over the midterm elections. Like some of my friends got really, really like, oh, here we go again with the steel or or maybe just disappointment. Like I thought there was going to be a red wave and it's a red trickle and nothing's really changing. But I was kind of calm because of all the devolution stuff that I'd been exposed to where I'm like, well, if they're not coming out with what they have, it's just not the right timing yet. Maybe we've got a little bit longer to go, but I didn't really lose 
any of my optimism. And it might sound strange and not that many people have dug into devolution, although I know a lot of people that have. Um, do you think that there could be contingency government in place already? Do you think that there could be the, the elections could be already closely monitored by Space Force, uh, collecting data to see which uh, politicians and organizations are helping uh, the cheating so that there can be evidence presented. I, this has all been going on for quite some time, but here we are with another election uh, fading in the rearview mirror and we're waiting. Do you, are you optimistic that we'll have clean elections at some point? Do you think that there's, there's a possibility that there's, there's, there's a side that is pro-humanity that is perhaps winning, even though it does not look like we're winning? I'm an eternal kind of, well, I can't say eternal. I get frustrated and stuff <laughs> as much as anybody. I, I get tired of evil. It's just, it's like, yeah, man, I'm just so I know. tired of pain that caused uh, needless suffering. But uh, yeah, I, in, in a way, I mean, here's, I'll first say with, on the negative side, there's probably me that thinks, well, all this talk about devolution and the white hats could be just a way that the black hats want to keep us asleep thinking though somebody else is going to save us, you know. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it almost seems like the only thing that makes sense about just seeing this Biden presidency and the whole surreal inauguration mm -hmm. and then all the crazy National Guard movements and just all the little weird things going on with flags and all these yeah, rumors yeah. we're hearing for years. So yep. I, you know, if I had to guess, I do think there's some some uh, very good, smart people in the background, maybe hopefully aligned with with God that are doing amazing things. And it's going to be real. I, I do feel um, as someone that bashed used to bash Trump three, four years ago. I do feel he's on the good right side of it. Mm -hmm. Pretty interesting what's going on with with DeSantis right now. There's a lot of a lot of rumors about, you know, I don't know if you heard about the spats going on between them. And some people say Laura Logan, who is just a yeah. firefighter, she says that uh, maybe just maybe this is to sift out the rhinos and the uh, yeah. people that are snakes that are going to back move away from Trump and back DeSantis. Yep. And some say that it's a trick of theirs to do the same. And then DeSantis is actually going to be on Trump's side or maybe even a running mate. So, there, yeah. you know, the, I, I can't think too, too deeply because I I just don't know. I know. I know. That's kind of where I'm at. I try try to read the best stuff I can and then just kind of don't, don't get too carried away um, and just let it unfold. I think the more that we can keep the faith. Um, and, and I do think there there was there's a point where, you know, they don't want to say we're we're going to save the republic. They really wanted we the people to be running for school board, running for city council, getting involved, maybe even running for state congress. Like they want good we the people Americans, regardless of party. To be honest with you, just right. just people that want what's best for we the people, uh, activated and 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 working on it. You know, you had a lot of people working on the election integrity. Let's see what happens with that. Um, oh, the other thing I was going to mention to you, uh, and I was mentioning it to Lisa in that, you know, all this election nonsense with the, you know, you have the software with all kinds of backdoor access for whoever, you know, built the software and sold it to whoever, uh, they can change votes. That's, that's been proven. We already know that. And then you have all the mail-in ballots that could be trucked in from everywhere. Uh, they don't have to really be legit. There's all this way that they can cover the blockchain, like Bitcoin 
they could build a voting system on the Bitcoin Lightning Network where it would be impossible to change anybody's vote. And, mm -hmm. and, and you know, because people say, oh, you know, mail-in ballots and blah, blah, blah. You could see something rolled out uh, from the military in the next couple of years where, where the voting is done in an incorruptible way. I think the tech, the technology is there, and I'm a little surprised so far that like the military hasn't said, "Hey, we're working on something that's going to be a game changer for voting." Because I do think they are working on it because um, they it was one of the things that they mentioned about Bitcoin. It's like it presents a very unique set of possibilities, not just for money and store of value, but it can it can make certain systems like the election system incorruptible. And I'm like, oh, you know, to me, that's that's a really interesting uh, future development to keep our eye on. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. not rocket science, right? I, when right. I was really hooked up on the left, I used to think, yeah, maybe that is maybe kind of a racist really to insist that people bring an ID to vote. And then the more I look at it, it's like, duh, that's, that's yeah. the minimum. It's not, it's not racist to... You know, it's condescending is what it is. It's like, it oh, is. people aren't smart enough to get an ID. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, you have to have an ID when you drive or go into a bar. Why can't you have one when you go down to vote? I mean, it's not that hard. Everybody has one. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, toxic masculinity. What, is, what does toxic masculinity mean to you? You know, what oh, is man. when you hear that word, do you do you? you know, in what kind of context, like what, what is it? It gets thrown around all, all kinds of different ways. Some yeah. ways I kind of agree. There is some toxicity there. Other times I'm like, you're just trying to get the men to shut up because they've got something they want to say about it. You know? So, <laughs> right? Yeah. You bought, you got it. I mean, it's a term like, like emotions that's been weaponized to confuse and disempower and divide us. Like the, the entire work movement does that. Now it's, if I look at it, the definitions and stuff I've looked at it, itself it's got some truth in it that men kind of bury their emotions and, mm -hmm. and that they can then you know fly off the handle like jesus in the temple and stuff yeah. so uh, the way i see it uh, i mean just the the phrase it's not a it's not a kind phrase like oh wounded male that we can work with it's just toxic so you can see right off the bat it feels like it's a label Mm -hmm. used as a weapon right so i think there's some truth to the actual thing i i think you know you and i have done a lot of men's work and we know we men just like the women are wounded but we have to look at why are we wounded mm -hmm. who's who's pushing this term this label and i think the bottom line is that they need us all divided and disempowered yeah. and if men and not just men but women with their healthy assertive masculine energy the mm -hmm. mama bears going to the the uh, school boards and the city councils they're afraid of that so they're they're trying to really shut down the men, especially, I think, from from just standing up and taking our appropriate power back, don't you think? Absolutely. And, you know, I can own uh, on the toxic side, like when I think of legit, like what part of that can I own? Like, uh, I think men as a whole, sometimes we can be too competitive uh, we, we can be we can be uh, uh, miserly or, or less than noble when competing, sometimes we can, you know, we can do it that way. You know, I thought of toxic masculinity when I saw the, the football team that uh, they lost the game and they beat up uh, one of the players in the tunnel where no one could see. And to me, that that's toxic masculinity. Uh, not that those boys are toxic, but that's a, that's a toxic side where men will resort to uh, violence and anger and physical violence 
to vent their frustrations rather than manage themselves. I think that to me, that's, that's, that's part of what it is. Um, but to your point, I think, I think the Marxists, they're trying to label all the men as, as we're all part of the toxic masculinity tribe so that they don't have to listen to what we have to say. So we'll keep quiet, you know, um, the world, to me, the world's not a better place when men are sitting on their truth, when men are sitting, when men are quieting their voices and not speaking what they see, uh, because we do have a different lens than women. And we offer something to the world that um, that's unique to our, our tribe. And so, and it, it, you can't operate it from just the feminine aspect. You can't operate it on all feeling and tenderness. That's not, that's not the way the balance works. That's not the way the world works. And so, you know, I brush it off and in a way I pretend like it, it doesn't bother me that it's a passing fad, but I, I think you and I sometimes we have to weigh in on these things because um, they're trying to float one by us and hope that we don't notice yeah. that they, they want us to shut up basically. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at the, I think the whole picture, I mean, and in, in one sense, in a fallen world, we're all toxic, right? We are all yeah. deep down, we're wounded. But when I look at what they're trying to do with like, you know, the whole, um, you know, the radical feminism, the, the whole critical race theory, they're not only, they're trying to slice and dice us up so divided. They got intersectional stuff. So if yeah. you're a woman and you're black and you're or trans or whatever, you've got all these different challenges. And some of them are, there's a lot of infighting between each of these groups. And this is just yeah. what they want. They want yeah. us battling. And, and another aspect I think is what I've noticed is kind of what we touched on earlier. Um, there's a saying or an acronym, SNAGS, SNAGS, sensitive new age guys. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think a lot, What that's what I used to think. And I still see it. People think, well, that's a real uh, new man of the millennium, someone that talks real soft and they're really mm -hmm. not making any waves. And, and these guys are often very programmed. I was, I was very programmed mm -hmm. because I didn't want to show that inappropriate toxic anger so i would shut down my healthy assertive ang anger mm. you know the men's work of course has been so powerful for that to find my real voice and i'll I'll, I'll be honest a lot of the people i really relate to you know yourself included these days are people that really do speak with some authority they're not mm -hmm. being wimps or mealy mouth yeah i agree with you i mean i it was my work with the mankind project in that men's work where i learned that the men that I really respected and trusted were the ones that were not afraid to speak up and be masculine. And those are the ones I was like, Oh my God, he is so in his power and in his truth, but yet he's really cool. He's like really accepting of everybody. He's just, he's just not going to back down on principles. I think, I think yeah. that's, I think that's what it is. You know, when it comes to the left, I feel like I've got like 95% of things in common with the left, just not the woke, the new stuff they try to roll out. I'm like, that's not passing the test. Like, and I feel like, you know, you and I, like for me, I think as I've gotten older, I, I kind of almost stand as principles. Like I'm a stand for humanity. That has not, that's not going away. I love humans. I love what we're about. I love the journey that we're on. I feel like we're figuring out how the enemy has tried to divide us and we're figuring it out the methods that they've used and we're using our own methods to unite. Um, so I'm super optimistic and I get snared. I get triggered. I get my wounds up. 
but um, I see more and more uh, people waking up, more men and women waking up. Um, and, you know, we're seeing through the ruse, we're, we're seeing through the methods that, that the enemy has, has laid before us, pretending like we can't figure it out. We've been underestimated, I think, as a tribe, humanity. Um, and so the more that we can sort of encourage one another's dignity, encourage, uh, you know, our inner king and queen, uh, our inner warrior, our inner ma uh, magician, you know, all the gifts that humanity brings individually into the collective hero's journey, um, we are on good footing if we can just realize, wait a minute, there's nobody over there that's my enemy. I've just got friends that are in various stages of awakening. Uh, and I myself was really, really uh, uh, brainwashed. You know what I mean? So, you know, if, if I can make it out of there and see clearly certain principles, um, anybody can. So it's, you know, I just... I don't know. I just wanted to finish with that. Just I, I just feel like you and I share this kind of optimism for humanity, but I'll let you uh, uh, speak for yourself in terms of how you want to finish. This will be the end of season five. So I wanted to end on a note of uh, optimism and, you know, we're going to be coming into 2023. And that's why I wanted to bring you on because you're a fellow optimist. And I think you and I share a lot of the same sentiments. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the next year, whatever it brings. I feel like we're uh, we're ready and we're 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 supporting one another in their in our awakening. Yeah, I think that was well put. I, I tend to agree with you. I'm pretty optimistic. I do think they underestimated us a little bit. I think they were they got very arrogant and cocky. And you know, I I hate to think in other terms. You know, I think like you said, all these people that haven't yet seen it, we all just wake up at different paces and we're mm -hmm. all going to be hopefully future allies. I, I always keep my heart open for everyone. There does seem to be a 1% a of sociopaths that don't seem like they're going to ever uh, wake up. So I do see them as the enemy, but you know what they say mm -hmm. is make what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around and use it for good. And I think that's what we are doing right now. This has been so uncomfortable, but I think if we all just took a breath and and step back and looked, it's like, wow, we've all learned and grown so much. And a lot of, like you said, a lot of people are stepped up, the mama bears and papa bears. You know, it's not about somebody saving us. People are stepping up, real brave people, mm -hmm. and just saying, no, we are not going to let them treat our children like this or our planet like this. It's um, quite a, a gift to be here at this time, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Roy, thanks so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I look forward to getting together with you in the holidays and sharing some Mary and some food. Uh, and just thanks again. Good luck. And we'll give a plug to uh, Soulful Warrior podcast. I know you're putting those out and those are a really good list. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in the outro. But just thanks again, Roy. I really appreciate you co-creating with me. Thank you, Tony. Always good to be with you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Roy Holman. To find all of his yoga classes and yoga retreats, he does some retreats in some really beautiful parts of the world, go to www.holmanhealthconnections.com. You can plan your next yoga, meditation, and nature getaway. And to find Roy's excellent podcast, Soulful Warrior Podcast, you can simply Google it, and Google will take you to either Buzzsprout or Player FM. Roy puts out some, well, really soulful content, and we love it. Thank you, base campers, and we'll see you around the fire next week. 
If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac and you're listening to Base Camp for Men.